Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. My name's Andrew. It's really good to be with you guys this morning. How are we doing? We're good? We're awake. We're sort of awake. We're getting awake. Right? I'm one of the pastors here, and if we haven't got a chance to meet yet, I'd love to meet you after the service. Um, but today I get to continue in a series that we've been doing in our 40 days of, of prayer and fasting, really this Lenten season that we've called I Am. I Am, Jesus in His Own Words, where as we've been approaching Easter, which is next weekend, by the way, if you didn't know, uh, but as we've been approaching Easter, uh, we've just been wanting to simply focus on who is Jesus, who, who is Jesus and, and who does Jesus say that he is? Help us to understand who he is in a deeper way and in a, in a, in a, in a more full way. And so we've been, in the Gospel of John, there are these seven different statements that Jesus makes. Seven different statements that start with the phrase, I am. I am. We talked about how Jesus said, I am the bread of life. We talked about how he said, I am the light of the world. I am the gate or the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we have two more to dive into. Michael's going to talk about the final one next week on, on Easter. And so that leaves one for me to talk about today. And today we're going to talk about how Jesus said, I am the true vine, the true vine, and how appropriate for the vineyard church to talk about Jesus being the true vine. You know, you may or may not be aware of this, but there are over 2,400 vineyard churches in the world in 95 different countries which is pretty awesome. But the very first one started in West LA was named the vineyard based on two verses, based on two verses. And the first one is Isaiah 27, two through three. And it says this, in that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. I guard it day and night so that no one may harm it. It's a cool picture, right? Of God watching over us. The second verse is actually what we're going to talk about today. The second verse that inspired the vineyard name is John 15, 5. And it says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So how appropriate that we would take a look at this I am statement uh, as Vineyard Church, Delaware County. So little context to what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, when Jesus talks about and says, I am the true vine, he's talking to his disciples. He's hanging out with his friends the night before he died. They're having one last final meal together. And Jesus is talking about lots of different stuff. He's telling them that one of them is going to betray them, betray him, which is a shocker to them. They're not prepared for that. Uh, he tells them uh, that he's not going to be with them for very much longer, that he's going to leave them and go back to be with the Father. But don't worry, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And, and really, he's trying to prepare them, to prepare them not only for what is about to happen the next day, and how hard that will be. He's also trying to prepare them for how to go on living life without him, without walking around with him day after day after day, without him being around um, all the time. And, and, how, and he's trying to get them prepared for when things are gonna get really hard in their lives. How do they continue when things are going kind of tough? And so in John 15, that's what we're gonna be looking at today. He uses this image of, of the vine, of being the true vine. It starts off like this in verse one. I am the true vine, 
and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, or the original word also can mean cleans, actually, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, I will remain, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So again, we have this beautiful image here of this vine, of Jesus being this vine. But let's, let's unpack this a little bit because we live in central Ohio. We don't really see vineyards, right, all over the place, right? Except for vineyard churches, maybe. We don't see actual vineyards very often. We don't have the right soil, the right climate for it. Uh, but, um, but this was a common theme in, or a common sight in Israel. Common thing that you would see vineyards just as you want, went along the road. Vineyards after vineyards after vineyards. And, and so Jesus was known for taking everyday symbols, everyday objects, things that you might see all the time, and using them in these deep and profound lessons to teach the disciples, to teach the crowds. But, but, but in this case, when he says, I am the true vine, he's doing something a little bit more than that. He's doing something a little bit more than that because this symbol isn't just of something that you see every day. It actually represented the nation of Israel as a symbol. It represented the nation of Israel. When you would walk into the ancient temple, there used to be these big golden grapevines etched in as you'd go in the gates. And their money, the Israel money, if you want to throw up that picture, some ancient Israel money actually had on the right side there a grapevine on their money. Uh, it, was a, it was a picture, uh, this, it was a part of who they were. The vine was a symbol to Israel, like say the bald eagle is to us in America. When you looked at it, when you saw it, you knew exactly what it meant. So when Jesus says, I am the true vine, not just a vine or any vine or one of many vines. When he says, I am the true vine, what he's saying is something a lot more profound. He's saying, I am the true Israel. I am the true Israel, the true representative of God. Like the, like the nation of Israel and the Israelites, they were called by God to be a chosen nation, a chosen group of people who were supposed to be welcoming in and drawing others from the outside in to be in relationship with God. And what Jesus is saying is, I've come to fulfill that in myself. I've come to fulfill that. I am the true chosen one who has come to draw others from the outside into relationship with God. And so Jesus is the vine or the trunk of the plant, if you wanna think of it like that. And God the Father, Jesus says, is the gardener. Verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Some older translations might say husbandman or vine dresser. The Greek word is the word Georgios. And it can mean all of those, but it can also mean farmer. That God is 
The, God the Father is like God the farmer, right? He's the one who cares for and nurtures the vineyard and is responsible for growing the fruit and caring for the vine and the branches. So Jesus is the vine. God the Father is the gardener. And in verse five, Jesus says to his disciples that they are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. And he's telling us the same thing today as his disciples, as his followers, that we are the branches and that we are meant to bear good fruit. That's part of our purpose is to bear good fruit. But what, what does that mean? What is, what is fruit? Well, fruit, fruit is technically the ovary of the flower of any kind of a plant that grows and swells with seeds in it. Right? In the case of the vine, of course, that would be the grapes. The grapes full of nutrients and little tiny seeds inside that have the potential to grow and reproduce more grapevines and more grapes. So the fruit is and can be the vineyard growing, the followers of Jesus growing. It can mean the kingdom of God expanding. It can, be, it can mean more people coming to know Jesus. And it's cool that God and wants to include us as the branches in that process. But it's also internal. The fruit of God, the fruit that God is looking for is also internal. It's internal in the sense that the good fruit is that we would look more and more like Christ. That we would take on more and more of his good character, that we would grow in things like patience and kindness and goodness and selflessness and love. Like Paul talks about it being the fruit of the spirit later on in the Bible, in the letter to Galatians. And so the fruit, the gardener that God is looking for is that he's looking for more of Christ in us, that our lives would look more like him over time. Good fruit, that's the goal. That sounds great. Who doesn't wanna be more patient? Who doesn't wanna be more loving, more kind, right? We all wanna be those things, but how do we do that? How, do, how, how does Jesus tell his disciples, how is that gonna take place? How is that going to happen. We basically talks about two ways in this passage, two ways. The first is pruning and the second is abiding. Pruning and abiding. So pruning for fruit. Very first two verses again. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. God the Father cuts away or removes any branch that bears no fruit, but even the branches that do bear fruit get cut too. They get pruned too. Both get cut. And let's, let's be honest, right? Getting cut never feels good, does it, right? Anytime you cut yourself, it's never a good thing, right? There's always a, a, some sort of a pain that comes with it. And sometimes we go through really painful things in this life, don't we? Some of you are going through really painful things right now. You know, and it can, that can look in a lot of different ways. That could be physical, it could be relational, it could be emotional, it could be lots of different things. And as human beings, we don't want to experience pain. We try to avoid pain as much as possible. So why would God be so cruel? God sounds so cruel that he would prune us on purpose. I mean, I get like people doing really, really evil things. Right, I get that, okay, but what about the people, his disciples who are trying their best, not perfectly, but trying their best to follow him and to do good things? Now, I've, I've talked about this before, but I, I grew up basically a gardener's son. My parents are both landscapers by trade. 
And so as a little boy, as a little boy, my parents put pruners in my hands, which was probably not a super smart thing to let a little boy run around with the sharp objects, right? But I remember uh, learning and watching from my parents, especially my mother, how to prune well. And we had like the big ones and we had the power shear ones, you know, like flat top your bushes or whatever, things like that. But what I remember learning, my mom most of the time didn't use those. She used little hand pruners. And I would watch her and learn from her. And she taught me that I would watch, by watching her, I would see that sometimes she would nip the tops. Sometimes she would, she would reach in a little farther, but it always seemed very intentional, very on purpose, very much like she knew what she was doing. And she taught me that she pruned here and pruned there on purpose for a purpose, that, that the purpose was to grow more flowers, to grow more fruit, whatever it was that we're trying to do with that bush, to make it healthier to make it the healthiest it could be. And I noticed one time that she wasn't just nipping off the tops, but that she was, you know, parting the branches and reaching far down. And sometimes she'd take out big chunks, big chunks of the branches. And she taught me that if you just shear the tops, you do that year after year after year, it'll, it'll rebranch out there and it'll regrow on the outside and it'll look really healthy on the outside. If you do that like a bush in front of your house, you know, or something like that, it'll look really full on the outside. But if you pull apart the branches and you look down in, after about an inch or two, all you'll see is brown. All you'll see is brown because no light can get in. Sometimes you have to prune a little bit harder and a little bit more drastic so the light can get in and grow things on the inside. Sometimes things can look really good on the outside, really healthy on the outside, but if you pull it apart a little bit and you look on the inside, there's just brown. And sometimes God, he prunes things in us and we think, why would you, why, this is so hard. Why would you let this happen? But sometimes if we trust him, if we'll trust him, it's for our good. It's because he wants light to get in. He wants light to be able to grow and so we can grow and ultimately bear more fruit. And he always does it with gentleness. We should think of the gardener as one who does it with gentleness and with love. He isn't just satisfied with us looking a little bit like Jesus. He wants us to to ultimately look fully like Jesus, to grow more and more and more like him. And again, we don't see it around here, uh, but if you're from Northern California, if you've ever visited there, you know, if you go there in the wintertime, you can drive by miles and miles of vineyards and them just, they'll just look like, almost like just sheared so much, pruned so hard. And you can think, how can anything grow from those? But, but come springtime, come summertime, they'll be full and lush. We grow and bear fruit by accepting and trusting in the one pruning us first and foremost, but we also grow and bear fruit by learning to abide in him, abiding for fruit. The word abiding is, it's not a word we use that often in our everyday language anymore, but it means to remain, to stay, to stand. In English, we also get the word abode, abode from the word abide, uh, like welcome to my abode, welcome to my home, right? Welcome to where I stay, where I take up residence, where I live in. Right? Jesus tells us the second way that we can grow is to learn to remain in him, to learn to abide in him, the true vine. Verse four said this, remain or abide in me 
As I also remain or abide in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you, can, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. But such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now, anytime Jesus says something, it's important. Anytime Jesus says something twice, it's really important. So what does that say about Jesus saying it 11 times? 11 times he says, remain, remain, remain in just a couple of verses. It must, it must be the most important, right? A branch cannot bear fruit on its own. It's not possible. It has to be connected to the vine, to the trunk. The vine is the source of life, the source of sap to the branches. It delivers the blood of the plant, if you wanna think of it like that way, to the branches. Right in the vine, the, the scientific word is the, the word xylem. It's the tissue, the tissue that carries the nutrient-rich water, the sap from the vine to the branches. It's like our arteries, you know, taking the blood our, with full of nutrients to all the different parts of our to, to our body, so that we can live and grow. We can't grow. We can't bear fruit and grow into the person that we were made to be on our own. We can't do it. We can't do it without remaining attached and connected to the vine, connected to Jesus. Now, and it's not mentioned specifically in here, so this is just my opinion, but I think we can also think of the sap as the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the vine, in his earthly ministry, when he came to earth, he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit moving through him. He laid aside his divinity and he, he, he taught from and healed people from using the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when he went back to heaven, he said, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit onto you. I'm gonna send the sap from the vine now into you. And, and that's exactly what he talked about right before in John 14. If you go back and you read in John 14, that he tells his disciples, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to you soon. And then it's from that point then that he now goes and talks about this story about being the vine. It's the sap, it's the power of the Holy Spirit in us, sent by the vine Jesus that bears good fruit in us. It's, it's him moving and flowing through us. You know, our job, our job, like we know we're supposed to invite others uh, to know Jesus. We're supposed to witness and share our story about others and, and invite people to that. And how do we convince other people to do that? Well, we don't do it on our own. Right? We, it's the whole power of the Holy Spirit moving through us and moving in us that convinces people. Right? Our job is not to make fruit. We can't do that. Our job is to remain connected to the vine, to, to abide in the vine day after day, month after month, year after year, so that the sap of the Holy Spirit can flow through us for the rest of our lives. That's, that's our job. A few years ago, there was a, a couple named Gordon and Norma Yeager. They, a 
they lived in Iowa and they had been married for 72 years. 72 years, think about that, it's a long time. The day that Norma graduated high school, Gordon proposed to her and they were married less than 12 hours later. That's, that's pretty fast, that's a quick engagement, right? 72 years, I think there's a picture of them if you wanna throw them up here, an older one and a couple more recent one, but um, 72 years. Uh, but when Norma, or I'm sorry, when Gr- Gordon was 94 years old and Norma was 90, they were both involved in a bad car accident and they were rushed to the hospital. And, uh, and after spending l- pretty much their entire life connected together, right? They were known as a, that couple that was inseparable, that did everything together. Even in the hospital, they wanted to stay together. So they arranged uh, that their beds would be side by side so they could hold hands. So they could hold hands in the hospital. And because of their age and the severity of their injuries, it, it didn't look good for them. And their children were brought in, their adult children were brought in and were with them. And around 3.38 p.m., Gordon passed away. He stopped breathing. But one of their children noticed that something wasn't right because his heart monitor was still showing it beating. And they couldn't figure out, well, why? Why would his heart monitor still show a reading when he's passed away? And then they realized, they looked over at their mother and realized that she was still holding his hand, that they were still connected and that his heart monitor was actually picking up her heartbeat. She passed away exactly an hour later. Connected, connected for their entire lives to the very end. That is a picture of what we are invited into with Jesus, to to grab hold of his hand and to hold on for every day for the rest of our lives. That that he's inviting us to get our life from him, to receive that from him and to not grow complacent or apathetic or just think, okay, that's great. I got it now. I can do this on my own for a little bit. No, that's actually not what we're called to do, ever. We're never supposed to become so spiritually mature that we don't have to be connected with him anymore. I've talked about this at least one other time, I know, but for as long as I can remember, I've struggled with anxiety. As a little boy in school, um, I would have these meltdowns and I would go see the school counselor and she would try to teach me different strategies of how to to work through and when I was struggling with anxiety. And, um, and really throughout my entire life, it has ebbed and flowed. Um, I've had seasons where it's been better and seasons where it's been tough. Um, it's, you know, Paul talks about in the Bible having a, a thorn in his side. And if I ever had to say, if there was ever a thorn in my side that I have prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to take away, this would probably be it. About a month ago, I started to notice that I wasn't doing very well that my anxiety was pretty high and oh goodness, I was having trouble sleeping at night. I like would wake up and just my mind would just overthink and overthink and overthink about little things. They weren't even big things, but they felt like crushing things. And that's how I knew it wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't good. Uh, and then one day, uh, a couple weeks ago on a Saturday, maybe about a month ago, maybe not even a month ago, something little happened. It really, again, wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, but it, it's pushed me over the edge. I had a full-blown panic attack. Sarah found me in bed in the middle of the afternoon, curled up in a ball, fetal position, 
heart racing, sweating, couldn't catch my breath, just staring at one spot on our, our deck, one random spot on our deck for like a half hour, trying to calm my body down. And after about a half hour, I calmed, my body calmed down enough that I just fell asleep from exhaustion. And coming out of that, I began to just pray and say, God, what, um, what's going on? <laughs> why, why is this anxiety so hard right now? What, what's going on in my life? And, and I realized there were some practical things I probably should have been doing. There were some practical things I knew I needed to be doing, but I also felt like God showed me um, that internally I'd been trying to do too much on my own. I had been trying uh, to expect too much of myself. I'd been caring too much, not trusting and relying on Jesus as the vine and the Holy Spirit flowing through me. I was, I was not abiding in Jesus like I know I should be, at least not to the level that I knew I should be. And I felt like God said, uh, hey, I want to take you to this exact passage, John 15. So I've read, I read John 15 probably every day for the last month, every day. Uh, I have been, I reread a book I read years ago. I highly recommend it. A tiny little book called The True Vine by Andrew Murray. He was a South African pastor, lived in the early 19th century. So it's an older book, older read, uh, but it's a 31 day devotional just on John 15 alone, just on this section of scripture. And I felt like, I felt like God, I felt like God was saying, hey, do you trust me? Do you trust me? It's time to do a little deeper pruning in your life. I want to teach you how to, how to abide in me in a deeper level that you never thought you needed or never thought was possible before. And I've been, there's a, there's a been this really simple little prayer that I've been praying. It's called a breath prayer. Breath prayer is just a short little prayer that you can kind of say over and over and over again. And it's, it's just this, it's Jesus, help me abide in your love. Sometimes I'll say it 20 times a day. Say it out loud. If people are around, I'll kind of say it under my breath. Just say it over and over and over again. Jesus, help me abide in your love right now. In this space, in this time. It really, and it just comes from verse nine. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain or abide in my love. And not instantaneously. You know, and in fact, you know, I still have trouble sleeping sometimes. Um, but what I've been watching and learning is that God is showing me and starting to grow in me uh, some new internal good fruit. I'm starting to see the pruning and the abiding taking effect. The positive impact, it's, it's not just so much even having on my anxiety, but more importantly, that Jesus is showing me on a deeper and deeper level that I, that we were never meant to be anything more than branches that we were never meant to become so spiritually mature, so much so that we don't need to be 100% completely attached to the vine. In fact, that we are in fact, that he wants us to learn more and more and become more and more aware of our utter and total and complete weakness so that we will be dependent on him in everything that we do. I wanna invite up the worship team to come back up, but I'll I'll end with this. Let me ask you 
Let me ask you all this. As one branch to another branch, where in your life are you not really or fully abiding in Jesus? Where are you trying so hard to grow fruit on your own without being connected to the vine, without relying on the sap of the Holy Spirit flowing through you? Where are you maybe resisting or avoiding the pruning of the good father, the gardener, trying to avoid the painful, even though you know it might be for your benefit? Because he loves you. He loves you. And he only wants to prune things in you for your good to grow even more fruit and bear more fruit. And when we take just a step, just a little step into accepting that and believing that and a little step in trusting him, we grow. We grow. It's just the natural effect of it. We grow over time good fruit. We do that day after day, year after year for the rest of our lives. We will see so much abundant fruit from it, guaranteed. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand up? Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.